Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. Hello, and Mohanad is here. Hi. How is everyone? Which one of us can answer first? For both, of, for both of you. Okay. Uh, well, I don't like to speak for Mohanad, but I am well today. Mohanad, how are you? I am uh, not bad, actually. Uh, it was good. It just the, the, it wasn't the best week of football, I'd say. So like it felt a bit choppy over the weekend. Yeah. But other than that, you know, the weather's getting better in Toronto, so can't oh, complain. Beautiful. Fifteen yeah. degrees today. I, I saw a funny tweet this week, which I thought was nailed on, which was that like you don't really understand how much seasonal affective disorder gets to you until it's fifteen degrees for the first time, and you feel like you popped a molly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, these are the views. These are not the views of one of the gosh <laughs> <laughs> uh, The views of Jamie, Jamie Vardy. Yeah, we, oh, we, yeah. Do, we do other things. <laughs> Jamie Vardy has never experienced seasonal affective disorder. He's far too drunk. <laughs> He's always on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, you're right. It, it's been an odd, an odd weekend of football. But you know what? We're going to start with a question. Because it's a it's a slight it's a non footballing one from uh, Cam, uh, who says, "Hang on, I've got to pull it up. I thought I had it. Here you go. What do you miss most about pre COVID life? Let's get personal. I want to cry while listening to this at work. So you know, get go go deep. Um, pre COVID life. It's it's actually been so long that I don't remember <laughs> very much, mm. which is actually the saddest part. But I I think definitely, you know." having the option to like meet up with the guys even though we've been doing this virtually but like birthdays or dinners or even going to movies just like like before the pandemic or was it during we went to the park with me like me Mohamed and uh you know our families we went to the park and we just hung out and I was like shit (laughs) is the pandemic plus the winter just made it so hard you can't do any of that shit so like you know what the best part of that park day was was when I was I was pushing Bernie's baby in the pram and I kind of separated from the group a little bit and I'm quite fair and Bernie's baby is obviously <laughs> black. And the looks I got in that park, it was beautiful. I just embraced it, man. I you know, I, I enjoyed those 10 minutes so much. If people just confused, they have no issues with it. Obviously, it's Toronto, you know, everyone's everyone's cool, but it was just like trying to, you know, people I could see their brains working. The cogs trying to figure it out. <laughs> they were all like, hmm. So which country in Africa did he go to to adopt this child? <laughs> did he steal this child? Or hmm. is he married to Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I miss the biggest thing I miss is playing football. It's it's something that I, you know, it, it's part of my life, man. It's, it's, you know, before getting married, it was pretty much, it was pretty much life, like work, whatever. But you just play football whenever the hell you can. It was a thing like, I bonded over with my brother the most and it's kind of what kept us in touch the most, et cetera, et cetera, watching it, playing it and playing it, you know, I, before the pandemic, maybe what, three, four times a week, potentially indoor, outdoor in the winter, in the summer. And then I think I remember in March, kind of right before the pandemic was a thing, I was actually at my peak in terms of playing. I was recovering from a knee injury. Life was looking rosy football wise. And then it just all came tumbling down. That was, that's definitely the thing I missed the most. Yeah. Uh, just to clarify, are you saying that marriage ended your like, your footballing life? By like seventy five percent. Yeah. 
quite <laughs> substantial. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. My mine would be the same. I mean, not just football. Like I, I also played in a in a softball league, and that was like every Friday evening in the summer, just getting out, being in a park with friends. Um, but yeah, the the, the rec sports. They're honestly, one of the best things about Toronto is how many rec sports mm-hmm. leagues there are and how like honestly we started playing rec sports in 2015 i think and the amount of people i met just through that mm-hmm. and like-minded people because you know you you form teams you get on teams you you find the people you like you bring them onto the other teams that you're on like you just it just builds your social network so quickly that yeah that that's definitely what i miss most especially because like as an adult it gets harder and harder to find to have time to meet up with people so if you have that regularly scheduled thing that also makes you feel good because it's exercise like the whole thing yeah. is just wonderful adult life is all based on regularly scheduled things yes. like spontaneous is... like spontaneous stuff goes out the window and it starts to become okay what do i have every tuesday and what do i have every Friday? oh man it's all fraudulent it's all fraudulent <laughs> the 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 thing is that's very interesting <clears throat> like Mohamed was like you know marriage brought his football playing days like down like for me, it was the same thing, but more out of guilt, right? Because, like, I live further away. So it's like, oh, like, you have a game at, like, 10 p.m. I'm like, oh, mate, like, you know, hanging out with the wife or something. You want to, like, maybe watch, instead of going to play, you want to maybe watch a movie. And it's far. And then she's alone. But now that we have a kid, it's like everyone's exhausted. <laughs> like, I feel like if we if the pandemic's over and I wanted to go play a game at 10, it's like, yeah just get out of here it's fine <laughs> it's like if you can stay awake long enough to do it you could do it i mean speaking of speaking of regularly scheduled events you know you plan your life and then you get this useless international break that just mm. ruins everything and now you know i'm just i'm all out of like you know my body clock or whatever it's called it's completely out of whack now because so you- like why is there an international break during covid and now so are you guys upset like so you guys are upset there's an international break I, I would like, rather it was not yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I think I've been saying this to you guys on the thread. I feel like there's too much football that, like, I've wanted a break. I'm actually very happy. I wanted to, like, just, like, remember it was, like, what was it? There were two match days in one or something weird going on. And we, were, I was, and you guys were, like, there's a game? I was, like, what? <laughs> there was just so much going on. I'm, like, I can't, like, my, I'm just, I just need, I, I feel, I can't even imagine what the players feel. Like doing mm-hmm. all this, and my I'm like I just need a bit of a, of a breather here. It's too much, man. There have been games like every two or three days for as long as I can remember. Now I don't I don't remember one game a week. What is that? It doesn't exist. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first season where there's a game happening that I only find out when you guys say, "Oh, look, this goal happened or this highlight happened." I'm like, "What?" I, like you know, you always know when games are on. This is the first season where it's like, "What?" There's a game now, some random FA Cup game in the middle of the week or some you know, replay of this or whatever. Yeah, it's it's kind of been a, a bit of a weird season. And I feel like it's taken a bit of the the magic away. You know, like how it on the weekends, your body just like automatically, like no matter what wakes you up at 6 a.m. or whatever, if you have like a 7 a.m. game, like I feel my body doing less of that because it's like, whatever, man, there's another game in two days. Like, who cares? Honestly, oh, that that's another thing that I, I quite missed. And I've never been the world's best sleeper, but the pandemic has made it harder, hundred percent. Because you're you're not out, you're not as active generally. Like it just you're you're in the same spaces all the time. 
going to sleep is is, is very difficult now. Like I sleep yeah. later and then wake up later, which yeah. you can do because you're work, working at home or if you're fortunate enough to be able to work at home. But um, but yeah, waking up for seven nine games a lot harder. I've missed more first halves than I than I care <laughs> to admit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, speaking of first halves, let's talk about football. Um, no wonder Bernie needs a break. You know, no wonder Bernie <laughs> needs a break. Leicester, I know he said Leicester United. Leicester City three, <laughs> Manchester United one. Uh, I'm going to start with Mohamed. Um, you disapprove of Harry Maguire, who Bernie has been valiantly defending for as long as. Look, I, I I understand that Bernie believes there is a bit of a Maguire agenda, and I get it. He watches United ninety minutes in, and now you know everybody has that player on their team. They're like. Tell, you know, you tell the other fans that, trust me, he's good, watch him. It's not just the memes and the whatever. And I get it. I'm sure he's a, you know, an 80% good enough footballer, whatever. Point is, this specific game where I know, I think Bernie is lay, laying the blame on that goal more on, on Fred. To me, when I watched that, I, I just felt like, obviously, Fred's up, obviously. But Maguire, his whole, and, and I was watching the highlights of this. I didn't get to see the game. And what made me kind of believe that I, I truly believe this Maguire's fault is in the highlights. I didn't know this was the goal. I didn't know Maguire had a fault or whatever. So as I was watching, I was like, why is Maguire so nonchalant with his ball? Just kind of, you know, slowly walking forward towards Fred. And then that happened. And it just kind of solidified why I think Maguire was, you know, at significant fault for the goal. I don't know what you think, Bernie. but I think that, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I wouldn't have made the pass to Fred, most, not for the reason that you suggest. Before that, Fred had lost the ball in midfield and misplaced at least three passes at that point. And one of them was a chance about a minute before that. So if I'm Maguire, I go, Fred's been messing this up. I don't want to give him the ball because he doesn't have the confidence. But the actual play itself is a play that they do all the time, which is Fred comes deep, collects the pass, and then plays it to the wing. And in this particular play, if you look at the image, Tellez is wide open on that side. So Fred just has to do what they always do, which is Maguire to Fred, Fred to, which would usually be Shaw, but he has to make that pass with his left foot over there because he's wide open. But instead, he takes a really bad first touch, the ball, ball bobbles, but he still has a chance to just play the ball like a regular human being to Dean Henderson, which he doesn't even do. So... I still wouldn't have made that pass, but the blame is 99% on Fred for A, being a rubbish passer of the ball, and B, not doing what they've, what they've practiced many, many can, a time. Can I suggest, like, I think, was it last week or two weeks ago that we said that Tellers clearly is only there to make Luke Shaw play better? So maybe Fred saw him and was like, I can't actually give him the ball. He's not an actual <laughs> player. He's just a Luke Shaw motivating robot. Or, or it's um, an ode to Shaka, you know? Well, okay. So this was this was the semi-serious point I was going to make, which is that like we discussed this recently with with Jaka, the Lena to Jaka pass, and Jaka messed it up and kicked it into whoever it was, and it went in the goal. Um, if you have Jaka and Fred doing that job over the course of the season, like they're going to mess it up a couple of times, and it's going to lead to goals because of the proximity to, to the goal. Um, my question is, and I'm wondering what what both of you think about this, is that would that be the case, whoever it was? Like, we, we all know that, that ideally Jacques and Fred are not good enough for the teams that they play on, right? But again, if you're going to play the passing out of the back style over the course of the season, is this just not going to happen? I'm playing devil's advocate. 
is this just not going to happen once or twice, regardless of who is there? Like, is Thomas Party going to get that ev- right every every time? It's is... like a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. It's like kind of that risk-reward balance where, okay, <laughs> if it works, let's say, whatever, 90%, you know, 95 times out of 100, is it worth the risk? You know, coaches now, modern football coaches will say yes. And, you know, you talk to Arteta, he'll say the same thing, and he's been asked about it when we mess up at the back. If you remember the start of the Unai Emery, era when we did that a lot before he buckled under the pressure we you know he stuck to his guns and we did it and it you know some brilliant goals came out of it and yes unfortunately kind of in general twitter and the bands with the opposition fans and stuff it will highlight the mistakes more than it'll highlight the good stuff but i think ultimately jokes aside the the way to play it's worth it i think from from modern footballing perspective i i i agree i i feel like i mean we've seen you know, we talk about like the mistakes that occur. And I think a lot of the time when we talk about the mistake that occurs when the ball goes from keeper to that midfielder, right? Um, or whatever. But um, what about when the keeper messes it up at the same time, right? It's still the same idea, which is I'm trying to, like Ed, Allison did it two times against Man City for forcing the play from the back. I think it's, I agree it's the way to play, but I think, Teams and players need to make better decisions in terms of, you know, just boot it if, if it's not on. Like, or if you, yeah. even, if you even sense a little bit of danger, I know they want to trust themselves. But the one thing, if, if I have a criticism of Maguire is I probably would have said, okay, Leicester are pressing you very high at that point. Like, I, I bet you 99% of football players in his position would have passed the ball to Fred. Right. And I would have done it. They all would have done it. But for me... When you see they're being pressed like that, I would I just want to see you boot the ball. Like I have no problem with going a little bit more agricultural if it's if it's at the risk of being safer. I'm okay I d- with that. I just want to disagree with you on one point, which is that had it been David Luiz, he would have just cut out the middleman and passed it to the opposition himself. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need two passes to achieve this. I think something that Bernie said, you said, you know, you how you know you guys do that play, you guys do that play like every game. Right, you do it all the time. It's kind of what you do when I get it. I just think if you freeze frame it, I don't think. I think it's one of the most times where you see how many opposition players are so high up, so pressuring of let's say Fred. And in this case, I remember watching this and thinking there is so many blue shirts here. You know, Ianacho is like also there to you know to cut out the bad pass. Which you just have so many players there. It just I think you know a little bit of credit to Leicester for their pressure too because there were so many players there. Trying to cut that. I think eventually, best of players are there thinking, I want Maguire to just kick long and let's win the 50 50. You know, that's really ultimately what they're there for. They're not there to actually cut the ball and score a goal because they're expecting a lot. You know, that, that's what goal. they did what they were supposed to do. But, yeah. Fred but I also think to, to, to your point about, you know, the double edged sword, I think the Arsenal Burnley game is a perfect example of where our first goal was because Party brought it out in a very tight place, played a 1 2 with Shaka in a very dangerous position, and it opened up the whole field. And then later you get Shaka do the exact same thing and hit the defender and go in. You know, it was beautiful in the case of everyone that's complaining about one. Well, then this other doesn't happen, right? So it's kind of how do you balance that? Right? And, and on top of that, just to bring another side into it, like famously this season, Spurs have been a team that that shun playing out from the back for the most part and will boot it long. And like no one's happy with them because they have no way of of progressing up the field so you're kind of you're damned whatever you do to some extent but okay more generally um you know fred was bad obviously but it can't have just been that were were leicester much better than than united 
Yeah, yeah. Leicester, Leicester were very good in this game, and and I think it's it was a this came down to a desire thing because they wanted it. These two teams actually play very very similarly. <laughs> they really do match up very very similarly. The way that they high press, the way that they pass around a little bit, but they are very very direct. Both teams and both managers, what they want to do, not long ball, is just move the ball as quickly to Vardy or as quickly to the Rashfords as you can and don't spend too much time in the middle. That's what they want to do. It, it's, it's just, it, it's, at that point, it becomes which one of you is fitter and who wants it more. And United coming off Syria, uh, you know, San Siro on Thursday, coming back, and then switching up the team so there's no fluency. Like, it sounds like an agenda, but... There, there's there's nothing that you're going to do. I'm sorry. There's nothing that you're going to do with Pogba on the left and Van de Beek as number 10. <laughs> it's, 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 oh, I think also nothing you're gonna do. Watching, watching Leicester this season, sometimes, you know, you were talking about which which um, game can do what or which team can do what. I think, and maybe I'm a bit biased, but sometimes it feels like it comes down to, and more often than not this season watching Leicester, is it comes down to who's got Yuri Tillemans on their team, man. Like, he's just been phenomenal this game. Mm-hmm. And I think... The goal was brilliant, and I also I want to give props to Inacho. I think last week I talked about how Inacho's technique and shooting is very good, but he needs to kind of get better all round. But I think this game, the touch was there. You saw the one-two with Tillemans, which was very tight, and it had to be perfect to come off. And then even just the touch around Henders had to be soft. You know, that easily, a lot of players, that touch goes long under pressure. You're not expected to be in the play I think, you know, even the header was a very difficult header. Yes, obviously, there was a little bit of a mistake by McTominay, back post, et cetera, but he had to cushion it. He didn't hit it. You know, he just kind of did that turtle thing with his neck where he just kind of brought it in and cushioned his, cushioned the ball. I think he had an all-round perfect game. Yeah, I was going to say the header was was more impressive than it looked as well because often in those situations, you're waiting to see... You, you think the person in front of you is going to get it. And so... Mm-hmm often you don't react as you would had there been you know no one in front of you but he, he, he nailed it perfectly and McTominay is a massive bloke and when he's in front of you you, you think you can't see what's it. going on <laughs> yeah so I, I thought that was quite impressive I, I just want to respond to Tillemans point because Tillemans is an interesting case in that Tillemans would be a Manchester United player today if United made a decision to sell Paul Pogba that was that was literally what he and his agent came out and said we're waiting for them they were making a decision on Pogba. I didn't want to wait for that decision anymore after two months of not doing anything. So I decided to sign for Leicester. And if you're going to sell Pogba, or he costs $40 million. You can sell, sign Tillemans now and then sell Pogba later. It still would have been a better thing than what United did. And then you don't have this Van de Beek situation. It, it, it just, to me, it, it showed United not making any sense with transfers. You, but, uh... but then again, sorry, Alex, one, 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 one more point. Tillemans has actually played very poorly against Man United in the three games prior. And that was because Paul Pogba was playing in the middle, dictating the pace, and he can't just run around him the way they literally just did a one-two around Matic. <laughs> like, it, was, it was actually... Today, this game was the end of Nemanja Matic because that one-two was the slowest one-two I've ever seen. And, he got, and, and it was just so easy. So props to Tillemans, but like, it's not as if he's been the difference in this game. They, they lost the previous ones. So... Um, I mean, on, on Matic, like, I, I feel as though he plays either when Ole thinks we can get away with this or when he absolutely has no choice because everyone else is exhausted. <laughs> um, but what I, what I was going to ask is, um, this, is, is this, was this another nail in, in the 
in the Donny coffin. Are you heading towards a bake sale? How long have you been prepping this? <laughs> only only about a minute. Just a minute. Yeah. It hasn't been in the oven that long. <laughs> oh, God. That was good. That was good. That was good. I, I'll, I'll seriously, are this. you going to sell them at the end of the season? No, they're not going to. Um, but I'll just say this. The dummy for the equalizer from Mason Greenwood was great. That was good. The reaction was overrated because he got yelled at to leave the ball. and He just did the right thing. Like... The yeah. reaction online was overrated. But if you watch him in this game again, like I implore anyone to watch Van de Beek. I know he's a talented player. I know he has good passer of the ball. But stop passing it back. <laughs> like, you're a number 10. He keeps taking the ball and then passing it backwards. But that's not actually the good pass because you're passing it to Fred <laughs> and McTominay. Like, move the ball to someone that can do something. Try and play some one-twos. Do something progressive. He's not doing progressive things because he expects to be the runner. He expects to be the one that you pass the ball to for the late runs. Like you're in the tense position. Just grab the ball and do something. And it's just becoming incredibly frustrating that he's not adapting to that. But we talked about that, right? The difference between the Ajax play and the United play. United are more direct. You want to go forward, turn and go, right? As opposed to maybe what he's used to is just keep possession, suffocate the other team, pass it around until you get an opening. But at United, you're right. Like he's a smart enough player to adapt and to see that, you know, you guys want a bit more direct, a bit more on the counter. And yes, he does stifle you. On but Monty, even bit. even that turn and go, right? It's literally just get the ball, pass it forward, or pass it to the wings, and then you can converge on the goal. It's it's something progressive that we're asking for. But he passes it back because what he does, he passes where he's facing. What they're asking for is turn a little bit. If you look at City's players, people go, "He'll fit in that City." He won't. City's players get the ball, they turn, and they move. They're also very direct, but they're direct and they can pass the ball. Van der Beek is not direct enough to even succeed there. It's a very big problem. It's a shame you don't have a proper manager who could coach him into, you know, improving. Um, just on that point, though, uh, Jojo at Mojo Dope Joe says, uh, amongst a couple of questions, um, well, he puts it as, why is Bruno going to win player of the year? And I'm not hundred percent convinced he is unless he picks up his form again but what do you guys think i i think that he's been good for 75 percent of the season and i know we're not even like of this of what we have right now he's been good for 75 percent mm. and the 25 percent where he's been bad i think he's been very bad to, to be to be <laughs> frank um is that enough to win player of the season Maybe, because I don't think that the players this season have been consistently good anyway. So I don't think it would, it would be a bit like a Hazard winning a little bit. It won't be like you were just outstandingly good. So we, we can't give anyone else. I think but it would those 20, be... Sorry, go ahead. With Bernie, were those 25% a bit weighted heavier in maybe the important moments as opposed to potentially 75% across like slightly easier portions of the season. Like, I know I know, we're talking only Premier League, but even, you know, Champions League times, even, you know, FA Cup, um, you know, whatever, quarterfinals, et cetera. Like, you think that 25%, some, you know, people are starting to talk about step up in the big games, you know, no goals against the top six, et cetera. Like, you're bagging on the little guys. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think there have been games where he's actually even scored goals and played worse. Um, I think that if you look at the actual top six in the league this season, he's actually scored a bucket load of goals. West Ham and Leicester are included in that. <laughs> like, like those, if you look at the table, which is the definitive outlook of who's doing well and who's not, 
he's actually played very well against what we call the top six now. That traditional top six is nonsense because Spurs are actually useless. So I don't really care. But where it mattered, sure, in Champions League, he scored a, buck, a bucket load of goals, even when United lost. So it's a bit of a misnomer. Where I'm more concerned about is, you know, he doesn't score against West Ham, I don't think. He doesn't score against, you know, Sheffield United or whatever. Like, there are games like that that I expect him to play well, and he hasn't. So he's going to be second or third in, t- in the scores list, second or third in the assist list. It makes sense to be him, but not because it's been like barnstormingly good or anything. Yeah, I, I think if, if United were were going to win a trophy, then he could he could be second or third in the list, win a trophy, and and get Player of the Year. I'm not sure he will. Anyway, um, Jojo also says, uh, "Let's get this done quickly." Is Ole going to get an extension? Yeah, I know he got a pay rise, but um, yes, because they're going to get they're going to finish second or third. And that's what they reward him for. <laughs> unfortunately, that is just how United operate now. Ooh, I don't mean unfortunately in the sense of I want him to go. But again, I would go back to what did the two stooges over here think was going to happen with him as manager? Not this level of success. Even no this one, level no of one, success. No one thought this. Exactly. No one thought he'd be here this so, so the fact that he is second and likely going to finish either second or third to the board who look at the fact that we're 12 points ahead of where we were last season... They go, you deserve a new contract. It's it's just simple, you know, statistics. Also, no one expected everyone else around him to be this bad. It's a bit of a combination of both. Like, he's second or third in a very peculiar season. Except, again, they were 12 points above where they were, not standing still. So United actually improved. Even if everyone else did the same, United would still be in a strong position. It's all yeah, good. I mean, he's, he's improving. And the question is now, how far can he go, right? That's and, the question. and the answer is the semifinals. Although not even in this case. Um, <laughs> we got one in the League Cup, so it still did that. It's still there. <laughs> Chelsea 2, Sheffield United 0. Um, a non-event, really, but uh, Tuchel cannot stop winning. And he cannot stop not conceding. Yeah, it's, it's very impressive. Just, I mean, you didn't even know it happened? Yeah, I was the edge. Ziyech got his second goal in a week, I think. So things are starting to slowly click for him. Um, Sheffield United did miss a couple of chances. I mean, the was it? Oh, Mohamed, your boy, McGoldrick. A, yeah. A, a header from about a yard out. Yeah, but he played great. He watched the game. He's a, he's a good player. I'm just saying, listen, <laughs> if, I, if I pick out a Sheffield United player, like nobody had heard of at the time, and he was like barely playing, and they were like last with zero points, and I'll tell you they're a good player. Yeah, I gotta get some props for that. He is a good player. He looks head and shoulders above those around him a little bit. And I don't know. I I, I like him. So okay. when was this game? Uh, uh, same days ago. No? I don't see it anywhere. <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> Premier League game? Like, no, FA, FA Cup. Chelsea still in the FA Cup? Yeah. yeah. Man. <laughs> so is it Chelsea against City? Is that is that is that what it is? And that yeah. is that the semi? Yeah. Wow. Okay. My yeah. bad. Southampton I, I, and uh, Leicester, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's very exciting. So Southampton beat Bournemouth three 0 Jack Wilshire's Bournemouth, um, <laughs> and you know, big result for Ralph. I really wanted, well, I didn't want Manchester United to win, but I did want them to face Southampton because if Manchester United had been beaten by Ralph Hasenhuttle, oh, the the climb down that Bernie would have to do. <laughs> Uh, I would. I definitely would have had to climb down, and so it, maybe this result is very good. Um, did you see the, the Southampton account, the one that's like, 
I don't know the name of it, but they always like the the, the header is like how many times they're gonna reference the nine nil or something like that. Yeah, and like okay. when the draw was Leicester or Man United, the account just wrote fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, Southampton got the best draw they could get. I mean, they'll get beaten by Leicester, but and and I'm happy. Leicester deserve something this season they should get top four but you you can never rule them out of bottling it but now they're in the semi-final they should be in the final and they've got a decent chance against whoever beats whoever wins Chelsea against Chelsea and City Chelsea City is going to be 80 percent 85 percent City possession it's going to be an unbelievably one-sided game doesn't mean City are going to win it just means that City are going to have the ball 85 percent of the time and they're going to just Chelsea is going to try and release Burner as much as possible and that's it that's the game but to be fair that's how you win the game, you know? Yeah. And like yeah. United have showed that multiple times. So if you're going to, if this is, if Werner is going to have a day where he proves that he's the G- German Daniel James, this is the day that he proves that, like if, if at all. But just to go back to Leicester real quick, really happy for Inacho. Um, mm-hmm. He's been, he's been on really good forum mm-hmm. and he's proven single-handedly dragged, well, not dragged, but he's proven the weight of Nigerian Twitter on football because Leicester were like senior man <laughs> and I was like okay even though we lost this 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 guy I, I can appreciate when Nigerian Twitter takes over that's fine yeah. look when when Roma started their pigeon account you knew that this was <laughs> a movement yes. that needed listening to <laughs> also when when I saw a bunch of people at uh, our our a rec league in Toronto wearing Nigeria kits, like literally a whole bunch of white guys just wearing the new Nigeria kit at, for, to play rec league. I was like, okay, <laughs> I can accept this for it. some reason. You were mad though. I was upset. But in hindsight, I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to allow this. <laughs> uh, it's not everyone's fault if your, your kit designers keep absolutely killing it. This is true. That's it's unbelievable. True. Uh, all right. That's the FA Cup. Let's turn our attention to the Premier League. Um, you know what? There have been a lot of bad games this season. West Ham 3, Arsenal 3 was not one of them. What an entertaining one this was. And thank God it wasn't at 7 a.m. Alex, hold on. It depends what you mean by bad. <laughs> like, I knew you would say this. If you mean bad game, like, it's entertaining. Oh, boy, that was, that was the best game of the season. But if you mean bad game, like, people being idiots because there were three on goals or whatever the hell it was in this game, yeah, it was pretty bad on the on the technical level of the game. But please go on. Let me not bring you down. <laughs> I think, I think overall, uh, you know what, Alex, this would not have been a bad game for 7am because at least we would have woken up and got that first half out of the way. <laughs> True. You know, started the game with the second half. I could have lived with that. Um, but yeah, just to go three nil down in the first half an hour, was unacceptable. I, I don't know how else to put it. We, Arsenal, when I say we, I mean Arsenal. Um, we lost to Olympiacos at home 1-0 the previous game. And yes, even though we still went through, that was also unacceptable. Um, and then it was just continuation of bad form. I am really, I don't know how to say this. I am not happy with how I am feeling about Aubameyang. Like, Go on. I know how I'm feeling, and I'm just not happy about it. I feel, I'm trying to feel this whole, you're useless if you're not scoring, you're useless if the rest of the team isn't playing well, 
I would rather like a Z down the middle than you. I would rather, you know, Martinelli or Saka on the left than you. Like, I don't like these feelings I'm getting towards, <laughs> on paper, one of the best strikers there is out there. But I am getting to that point where I'm like, you know, where I'm starting to think it's a blessing you didn't play against Spurs. You know, that kind of thing. I think, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It sounds like couples counseling maybe might be <laughs> might be useful. I, no, we, look, we've said forever, like, well, since Aubameyang signed for Arsenal, we started seeing him week in, week out, that he's absolutely not a complete footballer. He is a very consistent goal scorer, generally. Um but doesn't bring that much else, really, but apart from vibes. Plenty of vibes, plenty of goal scoring. Um, but there's not too much else to his game, and that's why it's difficult to play him as a central striker, especially when you've got three youngsters floating around behind him as the attacking midfield who need someone to link up with. He's just not that guy. Um, can you win with him up front despite that? Sure. But it's not particularly sustainable, and that's why I think Lacazette is up front at the moment. And and why the midfield plays better with him. Um, the thing with Aubameyang though is also like there's been the disciplinary issues lately, the the lateness, the family stuff. There's been a lot going on, which seems to be what happens when you sign a, a long term contract with Arsenal. You just immediately get a bunch of other issues going <laughs> on. Um, but I also think that he's he's always very close to being absolutely fine. Like a goal or two, and then, you know, that's it. It doesn't take much to, to get him there, is, is what I mean. Right, right. But I just feel like he needs the rest of the team to play well. And this game, he was pretty much anonymous, but the person that did step up was Odegaard. Oh. Odegaard, this game for Arsenal, just after those three goals, mostly in that second half, really took the game with a scruff of the neck. Like, he was... Just the metronome. He was the link between midfield and attack. He was always in the right place. So assured on the ball. Didn't lose it at all in very tight pressures. Didn't go as well. I think it was brave. Didn't go for a lot of the easy options yep. a lot of the time. He was just like, what's the point of just passing it to Shaka? I'm going to actually just hold on to it. Take a bit risky. You know that pass into Pepe. That was brilliant. Even the pass to Chambers for our goal. He didn't give it to him, if you watch those analysis videos, he didn't give it to him the first time around when it was the easy option. He kept that kind of, he's like, okay, I know he's there. I'm going to look inside towards the left, and then I'm going to give it to him when no one's, you know, aware. And I just, I think, again, he's still young, and I think he's already played more minutes, I think, the status for Arsenal than he has for Madrid. You know, that's the kind of, I think, experience we're talking about. He has no experience. He hasn't been around, and people have been talking to him, but the experiences are like Malaga or whatever, and like, you know, there's no experience at the top, Right. Um, and I just think he he played a really good second half this game um, and really stepped up when a lot of other players did not. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Allow, allow me to, to bring you down just ever so slightly because... Bernie hates joy. I, I, I'm contractually obligated to do this. Like, you know, this is how it is. Um, Jesse, firstly, in fact, Jesse Lingard, great goal. And he always scores Stunning against Arsenal. Hit. He's also contractually obligated wherever he goes to score against Arsenal. It's just what he does. He's been on a great run of form ever since he got to West Ham. Really happy about that. Um, and he's back in the England squad, which I don't know if it's a good thing, but whatever. <laughs> for Maybe for his confidence, it's, it's a good thing, but England is weird. Um, now, the second goal, which was the quick free kick, half of me says the ref should not have allowed that. 
just because I'm like, you're not even, the ref's not even looking at the ball. Like, I, I have a thing where I don't really like quick free kicks because it's like, you didn't blow your whistle, you're not even looking at it. And then, you know, half the time ref would be like, hey, stop it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the ref is like, just, I didn't tell you to do it. It's like, okay, so when do you do that? Like, why, why make that subjective? You know what I mean? Like, it should always be that the ref blows the whistle. I, I just don't like quick free kicks because I feel like it allows for stuff like this. It should always be on the ref's whistle. I, However, I agree. Although, like two weeks ago, the ref blew the whistle, then forgot he blew the whistle. And <laughs> you know what? I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe they don't even know. Like, they're all airheads. I don't know. But a player like Partey should not be turning, should not be, first of all, bringing the ball to the position of the free kick. It, stop, sorry, stopping it perfectly in the position of the free kick and then walk, turning around and walking away. Yes. Like, he... That, that you should boot the ball away. <laughs> stand in front of it, do something. But, you know, the walking away, turning your back to it is bad enough. But the fact that you brought the ball, put it there, and then did that is even worse. Shocking behavior from an ex-Simeone player, frankly. You would think that there's some shithousing about him, right? Like, you know. You would think. But then, like, that goal was a, was a comedy of errors because there was that. There was a foul. There was a referee. There was the Partey. And then there was Leno. And I was like... Like I, I honestly think you guys were drunk. Like in that first half, there was there was a party the night before. There's maybe Aubameyang threw the party. Like <laughs> something something must happen because like well, it's like I have to, it's like I'm not bringing the goals. I better bring the vibes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. He's like, let's do that. Uh, that shisha or that, that oxid yeah. nitrogen, whatever, whatever that thing is. I don't the know. Yeah, yeah. Because like, listen, I've I've hit on Leno a lot, but like he has been good this season. So I would say that that error is uncharacteristic. There was a dis- there was there was a, a deflection on Marie. To be fair, you should never was- squirm under his body like that, though. Sure, sure, that's but- un- that's unacceptable to me. Um, and the third goal, what was it? A cross? And yep. Antonio. Antonio. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, again, you can do better. On the positive, I wrote me. I had a note when I watched this game. I wrote it. I was like, I must say this on the podcast. I never thought in my life I would ever say these words, but Callum Chambers is better than Bellerin. <laughs> 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 That's what I would say. Look, look, it's obviously getting to the point where, you know, people are going to, you know, put a bag of crisps on the uh, right back before Bellerin. But I will say this. Callum Chambers lacks a lot of things, but his technique as a footballer is better than better. Yep. And then when it comes to the correct contact with the ball, the curl on the ball, having the brains to put it between the defender and the goalkeeper, just putting it in a dangerous spot. He, the first touch from a high ball, like he has the runs, even the timing, he has that over Bellerin. Unfortunately for him, he's big and slow. But I do believe as a footballer, in quotations, he is a better football. It's just not hard to be a better footballer than Bellerin. And don't get me started because we've done this last week, but it's not hard to be better technically than Bellerin, and he just is. But Bellerin technically draws a lot of questions about La Masia. Like, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. To be How did fair, he get through, like, seven years of that? To be fair... La Masia has not exactly been producing the best talent recently. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah, really, how do you produce Fabricas and Bellerin around the same time? <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless Bellerin was a lot better. And then, I mean, he has got worse over his career, but I That's mean, true. a lot of that has to do with injury. There was a time but, where people rated him as the best right back after like one season. So maybe he's over, you overplayed his hand or something. I don't know. 
that was when he could run at like 200 miles an hour and regardless of what he did he would be able to sprint and and fix it so <laughs> like the cola the cola Toure of right back yeah <laughs> like not a very good defender but could make up for all mistakes because he's so fast and strong it's true speaking uh, of right go, sorry, sorry go on Ben. it was called Toure's birthday and yaya did a post and i wanted to say did he get his cake but i was like would, would the internet get mad at me for that so i left it alone <laughs> <laughs> don't get cancelled the cake um I got a couple of questions. Oh, speaking of which, from uh, Don Yaya at Canadian Guna. By the way, and I'll, I'll just say this: like a lot of our followers are very funny and have good tweets. Uh, at Canadian Guna, underappreciated account, underfollowed. Get on there and follow him. He's brilliant. If Alex, if Alex likes it, it must be a lot of satire, a lot of uh, <laughs> you know, just inside. You know, I don't know dad jokes, a lot of stuff like that. Is it like that? Uh, I wouldn't paint him with that brush. Okay. It's just a very good football I just know account. your taste. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, well, you could choose to follow my recommendation. Not. Anyway, he says, um, is Moyes, Moyes for manager of the year? His team is, is legit. And also, second question, um, what combination of players would Arsenal need to trade to Real Madrid to get Odegaard, assuming that they only agreed to a swap deal? Would it take half of our first 11 or potentially all of them? The question is... What do they need? Nothing you have. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Not a damn thing. <laughs> like, Wait. To, so what do you guys think about that? To so the first question, Moy's manager of the year, yes. Like, it's a crime if they give it to anyone else at this point. Even if they finish sixth or seventh, manager of the year. Like, what he's done to transform that team, yes. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I always think about what I initially thought at the beginning of the season and what ends up... Like, I always like it relatively. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, go, okay, wow, they're playing well, whatever. But I think of it as like, well, I, did I expect them to be shit? Yes. And then <laughs> did he completely transform them by signing a lot of sauce? Yes. So I'm down. Eastern European sauce. Exactly. Sauce. Those signings, who, Suchek and, and Kufal and Lingard, fam, who thought that was going to work? Yeah. And Rama, <laughs> like, Moyes is signing these players. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Yep. Uh, okay, so we, we've crowned him king. Uh, what about Odegaard? What do Real Madrid need? I know, I know. I'll give him, I'll give him back uh, Sabayas. How about that? No, see, I, I'm of the opinion that if we if Arsenal manage to get Odegaard, we'll have to agree to keep Sabayas too. Oh. Because they do not want him. Yeah. So. <laughs> they, will force, they will force Arsenal to keep Sabayas. Um who could we give them? The thing is, Zidane doesn't like Odegaard. It's not going to take much. I've got it. I've got it. This would be terrible, but but it's what it's what might actually do it. Uh, give Real Madrid Guendouzi, who is clearly an absolute lunatic. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. The French centre-back on loan. Saliba. Oh, Saliba. Yeah. Mate, none of that's um, going to happen. No, look, no. Real Madrid need, need a centre-back. They they might lose Ramos. They might lose Varane. The the Alaba thing. I don't know what happened to it. Saliba is clearly very good, but he hates Mikel Arteta already. So you know, well, yeah, clearly very good. You don't happen. know that. None of this is gonna happen, Bernie. We're just answering the question. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question, and I still don't think they'll do it. But I think there's a potential need. Potential. So Bamian, that's the deal. Aubameyang for Odegaard. That way, Benzema can go back and do his, like, you know, second fiddle nonsense. And then Aubameyang becomes their main striker. 
and they get Odegaard and you get, Mohane doesn't have to feel the way he feels anymore because it's no longer his problem. Listen, I would do it. I don't think they would do it, by the way, because he's old. But like, that's the only thing of worth that you have to trade. You know, actually, you know, actually, apparently what the rumors are, they want Martinelli. This has nothing to do with Odegaard. Oh, for God's sake. Martinelli. The, the, actually, the deal you could do is <laughs> just sign Ceballos and he'll give you Odegaard <laughs> just for goodwill. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping will happen. All right, uh, let's move on then. Um, Liverpool, no. Did Liverpool play? No, Spurs beat Villa 2-0. Oh, yeah. Spurs beat Villa 2-0. So, it, so my dad is in this, this kind of existential crisis um, a lot of the time because, like, hates Mourinho, wants him gone, doesn't want Spurs to lose, though. And every time they win, it kind of keeps Mourinho around. Like, they're, they, get, they, they lose a couple of games and everything is crisis and, like, will he be sacked? And it seems like he's on the edge. And then he wins a game and they play quite well. And... Uh. Uh, the final, the final days of Arsene Wenger, and yeah. then Unai Emery, and then every manager, <laughs> every manager ever. That's how you feel. I want him gone, but I also want my team to win. So how, does, yeah. how do we make that happen? It's problematic. But th- there was uh, there was some tactical interest in this one. Jose went four four two. Finally, gave Carlos Vinicius a game in the Premier League up front with Harry Kane. Um, Lucas Moura is having a weird renaissance at number ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess he played somewhere in a four-four-two. I mean, he, he runs around so much, you never really know what he's doing or where he is. Um, but someone, um, someone, I think, I, I think it was someone said something very interesting. I think it was in the Arsenal game when when Arsenal beat them two 0 and then they got the red card and they looked much better in the last ten minutes. Yeah, and I think it was one of the pundits that was like, "Well, in the last ten minutes, Lucas Moura just remembered that he could play football." Was <laughs> someone was like, and it's true. He just literally the last ten minutes, he was like, they stopped. He stopped doing what potentially Mourinho was asking him to do, which is all the discipline stuff. And he just started taking the ball and running past people and being Brazilian. And then once, <laughs> you know, once Lucas Moore remembers that he's Brazilian, he looks good again. Like, and that's kind of what he's been doing for the last couple of games. Now he's just like, well, I'm a very good player. I'm going to actually do stuff that makes me look good as opposed to try and fit in this rigid system. And he's been doing it very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's interesting to watch. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, so, someone tweeted as well that uh, like halfway through the game, Jack Grealish is very, very good. The point being that Aston Villa are really bad without him. What do you, well, like they they rely on him quite a bit, but it, I don't think it would be fair to say that they, I, I, they've they've had a good season overall. You know, Martinez, Mings, Kansa, even Target, McGinn. Mm-hmm. Traore, Watkins, like I would say they haven't relied on him as much as I thought they would, obviously he's their star player, standout, etc but they've held their own without him good enough I would say Yeah, I, I think like they can be solid enough, but they just don't create anything, like they, they were they were seriously devoid of, of of chances in this game against a team, like if you're coming up against Spurs right now you see the vulnerability and you attack it. Like that's what you need to do, especially because Spurs Spurs played like Joe Roden came in, Tanganga was playing. They're not bad players, but you know, they've barely played this season. Jose went with with youth at the back, which is an odd thing for him to do. So you would think like go at them. But they right. just didn't. They did they didn't have the impetus to do so. At home, nonetheless. Well, what's your thoughts on the penalty? I actually don't know. 
I actually don't know. Like he's he's looking for it, but I'm not sure it's not a penalty. Then again, I mean, my point is always the ball is out of play. He can't do anything with it. It's not a goal scoring opportunity. So in my world, if if I get to create yeah. the rules, it's not a, it's not a penalty. From but the, as as they stand, I guess it is. From the view from behind, I think it's a penalty. And then I see the view from the front, as in from like behind the goal where you're looking at Harry Kane running at you. And then I think it's not a penalty. I think Harry Kane completely just runs towards the defender and just leaves the ball completely um, behind. And it just changes my mind which view I'm looking at it from. You know, and it doesn't help that it's Harry Kane, obviously, there's bias there where I just know he's getting front. I feel like when Alex asked the question, it was like, ah, there been so many of these. Uh, I just, I'm just like, at this point, just let me know the final outcome. <laughs> just accept it for no. what it is. I don't know what the rules are. I don't, you know, it's it's weird. Did you guys see the still picture of Kane striking the penalty though? His ankle yeah. is flat. Yeah. It's so disgusting. it's a technique, bro. It's a technique. It's Where the, does he it's have the, his most injuries? Like doing ankles. Is it ankles? Yeah, historically. Well, have you seen? Have you seen at like peak David Beckham free kicks? His ankles are like it's more than ninety degrees. Oh, like it's it, literally like it's up. Like his toe is pointing. Off the ground <laughs> into the air, like it's crazy how how flat their ankles get to hit that strike. I feel like freaks me out. Beckham never had ankle injuries except for that one metatarsal, but that was from a tackle, right? Like yeah, yeah. this guy, he seems to have this injury like non-contact. Maybe he should change the way he strikes the ball if this happens. All the, I don't know. Maybe it's not related. I don't know, but it's, I mean, it's too late in his career. He's already 27, 28. He hasn't won a single trophy. He can just keep doing this for a couple more years. It's all good. And, and, and there was the rumor that Levy is open. No, that Kane wants to leave. And Levy wants 120 million. I just thought, mate, like, okay. It goes back to what Mohamed said a while back, which is, I know the contract wasn't technically there from wherever, but like, this is the time where you force your move. Because listen, he was never going to be a household worldwide Galactico name at Tottenham. It was never going to happen. He was never going to get the money that he could get on the open market at Tottenham, and he was never going to win as many trophies as he could at Real Madrid or some some you know something like. So on those three counts, he had every reason to leave. He signed a new like six year deal or whatever, and now he wants to leave. We argue, we argue about this all the time, and Alex takes Alex takes his side and saying with Tottenham and they're doing this and they're doing that on Pochettino. I always believe that. He should have forced it. He should have gone. It should have been a big name player at United, at Madrid, at whatever the hell was going to buy him because his stock was high, you know, after his first three seasons where he burst on the scene, et cetera. I just think it was a big mistake staying there. And you're right. Like, you know, you think of, look, he might break the records for most goals in the Premier League or whatever. But yeah, you're going to be on that list that they show in 20 years, you know, like how Shearer is on that list now. But at the end of the day, Shearer is never going to be worldwide that you know that Henri that whatever Aguero the Cantonas the Burkamps even Burkamp was called like you know a goal of season it just at the end of the day you need to do something to put yourself out there way more Champions League this and that and I just don't think I don't know why he thought it would happen at Spurs so well to to yeah I'll, I'll argue the other side which is that he reached the Champions League final with Spurs they did come relatively close to, you know, they had two two legit title bids where they were, you know, only a few points off off winning the title. Now, how many teams can you go to to guarantee trophies? There's two or three, maybe. One of them is Bayern Munich. Does that even really count? I don't know. But 
the what he clearly demonstrated was that and what he's always said is that like it would mean more to do it with spurs i want to do it with spurs if it doesn't look like we can do it then i'm open to going he's always said that the pochettino trajectory was up until the last year and then they brought in Mourinho. and he, kane was clearly at least initially t- taken by Mourinho. and and you would understand why right you, you want to win something you want to do it at your club here comes the guy that's won everything, who's literally won a trophy at every club he's been to. As much as we hate him and think he's a busted flush, which he is. So you can understand why he wanted to give that a chance. Now he's he's in a predicament because the club is going backwards. Like let's take league form as as the, the correct barometer, because like you can win a league cup. Does it actually mean your club is going anywhere? No. The league form is going backwards and backwards and backwards. The the team is getting worse in that respect. But yeah, he's signed a long-term contract. So unless he's going to hand in a transfer request and blow the place up, which he's not going to do, he's he's stuck. I, I, I don't see who's going to spend that amount of money on, on him at this point. I understand where you're coming from, and I agree mostly. But the only reason why I take Mohamed's side more strongly on this is because Harry Kane has twice made very serious noises about leaving uh, Spurs. And the, there were enough briefs in the media that you could tell that it was his side putting it out. Now, whether that was for contract talks or whatever, I don't know. But the rumors were strong enough at the time for him to have been talking to other clubs. And that would have been the time. Listen, I, I understand the Champions League run. The Champions League run is like um, Monaco against the Champions League final. Like, who, it, it, like, it's not reflective of what the club really is because even at that point... The, the league form for Spurs had just nosedived. If you remember, they were that season, yes. garbage. And, he, and, I'm, and I'm talking about the other two factors here, which is money. So money that you get paid um, in proportion to where your standing is in the game. He was never going to get that here. And also trophies. And I'm being consistent. He may not get that at Man United unless maybe he's the missing link. But he gets the money, he gets the platform, he gets the status at Man United. Real Madrid, he gets the trophies, he gets the platform, and he gets the money. Like, he could have done more to do those things, which we know that he wants. And now he's in a position where he can't go anywhere. And that's what you should never be as a player in that position. So I agree with that. And I think think he needs to get a little credit for not just taking the money. Like, I know Mohamed says always take the money. And yeah, in terms of like your life as a human being, there's definitely an argument for that, right? Take as much money as you can because you never know when everything's going to end. He, he, as you say, has clearly like turned down more money than he could get at Spurs to stay at Spurs and try and win something there. And that is something that I think we have to applaud because like we talk all the time about the lack of loyalty in the game and everyone's just in it for this and in it for that. Like, I think we need to applaud that. Like, Let me Totti gets all the applause in the world, even though you know he won one league title in 20 years, could have made tons more money, could have done this, could have done that. The mistake that Kane made was signing the long deal. I, I understand and respect his decisions so far, like the decisions he's taken so far in his career to stay, but signing the long-term deal is hamstrung. I want to like, ask both of you a, two a year question, deal. But I want to both of you a question. So when he signed that long-term deal, I think it was either before or just around that Neymar thing. It's It may not matter. Or do you guys think that it would have mattered because his fee would have been up to $150, 200000000 Like, could, could anyone actually have afforded 
Harry Kane anyway? Like, do you think he, do you think it's a possibility that he just signed the contract because he knew actually there's no way I can move? I don't think so. I think a couple of years ago, someone could have done it. I don't think they're going to do it now. There's not enough strikers around that he would have been such a hot commodity. I mean, you look at Haaland now, and if there was the strikers that we had in the past, you know, I don't think Haaland's kind of stock would be this high. Right? Obviously, he's a great player, but it also comes from being deprived of similar players out there. There's just are none. And I think when Kane was kind of blowing up, you had the Suarez and the Lewandowski, but they were kind of set. Suarez was at Barca set, and Lewandowski was always set at Bayern. So Kane was really the one that people saw as being in a smaller team, you know, Spurs, and they could get him, and they could, comp- and he could completely transform the team. And I always said, you know, he could have been United's next Rooney in quotations, you know, really blow blow you guys up in terms of a center forward, which I don't think you've had a good one in ages. The Zlatan and the Cavani's and the yada yada, like that's not it, right? And I thought that was a great chance for him to go. And I think United would have bagged a couple of trophies with him as, as their center forward. But to Alex's point, and I, we should move on, but Alex, you talked about winning the league and winning the Champions League. I was going to make Bernie's point about that would have been a Porto kind of thing with the Champions League. I don't mm-hmm. think it would have been reflective of like, you know, where Spurs are going and their stature and blah, blah, blah. And I think with the league, it would have been more than like a Vardy. Like look at Vardy winning it with Leicester and then that's it. Yeah. I don't think it would have cemented anything. But the, the point isn't, isn't, like I think we have to think about it differently. Like it does for Kane, it does not matter one inch if Tottenham winning the Champions League is a one-off deal and the club gets you know does nothing for the rest of his life. If he wins the Champions League at Tottenham, he's fulfilled the dream, and then he can go and do whatever whatever else he likes. Like that's it. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. I guess we're setting different dreams. I, I, I'm we're thinking. I think a lot more bigger. I want him to be like you know up there, one of the famous names, one of the best strikers, all the kids want to be him. Like, I'm thinking huge for him. I'm not thinking just do it with your boyhood club, even though he's an Arsenal fan as a kid, and then just kind of move on. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just expecting, I was expecting more. I think he's that good. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 definitely an interesting debate. Anyway, let us know what you think at under underscore the kosh. Should Kane have left? Should he leave now? Can he leave now? All these questions to be answered. Um, let's finish off with uh, Brighton 3, Newcastle 0. Brighton are going to stay up, Mohamed. Yes, come on. I hope so. I can't. I mean, especially if it's Welbeck doing the business. Danny Welbeck. That Dan guy. And the giraffe that, down the left. That guy. That guy. Another um, season of Dan Burn. That's all I'm asking for. Uh, I, <laughs> my question is, would you rather Brighton over Fulham? Yeah. Yeah, for the football. I won't. And, and, and I cannot. I can't have Craven Cottage in the Premier League. <laughs> I, I, my, because Scott, you know what? Okay, I like Scott Parker. I like the Nigerians there. I can accept it if Scott Parker gets the Super Eagles job after this, which I know won't happen. So therefore, I can't accept Fulham going down. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was it was a big win for Brighton, not only because they took three points, but also because they took three off Newcastle. Fulham are only two points behind Newcastle, although Newcastle do have a game in hand. Anyway. It would be so sweet if it's Burnley that ended up going down somehow. They won't. They're doing their thing. Well, they, they do their thing. They just graft it out. But, like, it would be so sweet because, you know, Sheffield, West Ball, and Burnley can all leave the Premier League, and I would not even think twice. No, and it would leave same. us with some really interesting teams. 100%. I, I would like to know where Dwight McNeil would go after if they got really gay. That's the only thing. Everton. I, I'd be oh, done. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> it's a classic Everton sign. What was that? Everton? Yeah. yeah. Although, he'd be a good signing. Do Everton do those? Sometimes by accident. 
Yeah, but the problem is, where is he going to play, especially that Iwobi gets to pick a different position? If he, <laughs> he can finally kick Iwobi out of the team. Um, all right. Oh, what was that? Oh, yeah, Leeds beat Fulham. That's, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, good job, Bernie, good on a number Marcelo. of levels. There. No, good job, Marcelo. We're good now. I told you. I told oh. you guys we're good. We bid good. It's, you, sorry, you know, just, it's, it's hard to keep track of who's on the hill and looking down. Just, and just know so Ralph is on the hill and Ralph is at the pinnacle at the top of the hill. That's all I can remember right now. Maybe there's too many, but that's the one I can remember. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's, let's move briefly to the continent. Uh, I will start the continental chat with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, their former manager, well, their current manager and soon-to-be former manager, Marco Rose. Bernie, you're a big fan of him. He plays good football. He's incredibly handsome. Mm-hmm. He's actually managed to be replaced by someone even more handsome, Xabi Alonso. Yeah, but was Xabi Alonso a sommelier as well and then got this job, or...? He's been coaching with Real Sociedad, I think. Yeah. Okay. okay. He was doing this, like, Tango FC thing with uh, freaking... Adidas, which is a made-up thing. So, like, what is that? It's it's this made-up team for Adidas for marketing purposes. But whatever. Like, I, I'm willing to give him more leeway than I ever thought of for Pirlo. <laughs> so it's all good. And Fair it's enough. it's Gladback. Like, what the hell? They, they don't they don't have anything to lose here. There's no pressure. I, just, I was just looking it up. He uh, Jabi is the manager of Segunda B Division Club Real Sociedad B. There you go. Ah, okay. He's, he, at least he put up the cones on like Pirlo. This is this is the thing about the Bundesliga, man. They will take a chance. They they get an idea and they'll take a chance. So what you mean oh. is Perlo can manage Schalke? <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Sorry, Mo, go ahead. No, 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 nothing. I was just uh, I was just saying the risks are low. Like, what's going to happen? Take a chance. You know, as long as you don't get relegated, it is what it is. Yep, true. Uh, right, you want to go Italy or Spain? Oh, six one Barcelona this week, please. Yeah. Yeah, um, this was, oh, you should see the Barcelona fans on Twitter. Give Coleman time. Let Coleman breathe. This is the Coleman football. (laughs) We're like, guys, everybody calm down. Yes, it was a good game. Messi was obviously at the center of it. Alaba, Alba Alba decided to be a thing again. Busquets decided to have a game. Everything just kind of all the stars aligned for this game for them. And Dest obviously getting his, his first goal. But, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, here we are. Also, I mean, perfect timing with Laporta and everything. So, you know, it all, they're all just putting go one plus one equals ten, right? Um, but as a game, it was very enjoyable. Messi, and again, it's one of those where the narrative is Messi's not having the best season. And then you look at the stats and you're like, he has like 17 and 12 and he has like 26 and whatever, like, it's like, what is a bad season? Right? Marlon, I think I think the, the proper context is he was having a bad season mm-hmm. and then he picked it up like a beast. So, like, <laughs> both things are true. <laughs> he, 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 I mean, even his stats were not looking good back then. And then he, but, but, then but, he just decided, but, I'm still, you know, messy here. Like, but but right? that's what Messi can do. Messi can go 10 bad games and then play five really good games, but the stats in those five can cover 15 games. So you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we've all heard of a new manager mounts. Barcelona mm. literally got a new president bounce. It's unreal. Never seen anything like it. They, they also got they a. They also said they're a good team. They, it's not like they bagged on, on Hitafe. Yeah. They also got a messy gives a shit bounce. Like that, that bounce. Yeah. Is, that bounce is very important. And and what's Bro, interesting but, but is he's... there's a title oh, race now. 
like I actually had to look it up because I was like, does this Barcelona form mean anything? Because Atleti was so far ahead of everybody. And there's actually a title race. I'm confused. What are Atleti doing? <laughs> also, you have to yeah. give Laporta some props. Have you seen that little talk where he came and introduced himself as the president of Barcelona? The dimples came out. He looked over at Messi, the sexy Spanish accent. He told him how much he appreciates him, how much he wants to cuddle him. How much he's like, he's like, I was sitting there like smiling, grin to grin. I don't even understand what he's saying. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever this guy's saying, I'm, I'm with him. <laughs> You know, he just seems like he's such a good talker. You're 100% right. right. Does the sexy Spanish accent work on Spanish people, though? But Messi's not Spanish, so (laughs) maybe. Don't tell the Argentinians that. Yeah, or the tax authorities. Here's a question. Um, If Real Madrid finished below Barcelona in the season that Barcelona were in, you know, a shambles and Messi this, Messi that, and whatever... Do you do you say Zinedine like it's 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 been nice like and then bring uh, it up like is that, is that a thing? I think Zidane can live off the four Champions Leagues in five minutes for like another twenty years. So I also think I can't rule out him winning another one. <laughs> this is the problem. Like he could finish below Barcelona. I mean, they're what they're only two points behind them right now, but he could very well win another Champions League. And then what do you do? Because you guys, you guys know, remember Florentino is not a stable human being, and he's gonna look. <laughs> he's gonna look at this, and and you know, he's gonna look at this and say, "You finished third to that shambles." Like, like honestly, as much as I agree with you guys, like you're right. I obviously you win four Champions Leagues. To me, like you can basically write your own checks, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but if you finish third to that, something is wrong. That's all I'm saying. Like something is very wrong. Uh, what's wrong is. Madrid's squad is not that good. It's just not. No, it's garbage. Like, yeah, exactly. He's kind of doing it with what he has. I don't think he has a lot. I just don't. Without Bale and Ronaldo, I just don't think he, he's he got much to work with. He's got, what's his name? Vin, uh, Vinicius running around the, on the left. Great, you know, for 80% of the time where he just runs around in circles and then come to put the ball in the net, you know, good luck. So I just think he's playing around. He, he's doing what he can with what he has. And look at this. I mean, you're right. How are Atleti only four points away? They were like, weren't they like 24 points away? Like I first swear. Game <laughs> I swear they had won the league already. I swear it's true. <laughs> and the friend of the pod, uh, Roche Rana, says, Florentino <laughs> is quiet. Otherwise, Madridistas will ask for a new president bounce as well. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But he lives off drama, man. I think when it when it's all good and quiet, it doesn't it doesn't suit him. He needs stuff happening. But remember, yeah. he didn't he doesn't like Zidane right now. He had to turn back to him because he felt like remember it all went to hell and then Zidane walked in like that that guy in that meme, just like with his chest out. And yeah. now Florentino would be like, bro, I'll find out. The funny <laughs> thing was though, the Zidane was like, Yeah, I'll come back, but you have to give me Luka Jovic. <laughs> yeah, good point. I was like, what happened to that? But Real Madrid have Liverpool. In the in the quarterfinals of the Champions That's League. That's interesting. It's I'm be looking fun. forward to that. Yep. Uh, Bayern against PSG, Porto against Chelsea, and Man City against Dortmund. The others, I think, are, are fairly well. Bayern, pa- PSG. What do What do you think? Bayern. Bayern. Uh, yeah. Bayern, but just you know, Bayern with all the hurts in there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea will get past Porto surely. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's what Chelsea might be, right? Like now that they have to actually attack a team, it might not happen, right? 
Maybe. I don't know. I've got a cheeky feeling for Chelsea in the final. I think they'll make it to the final. Who, uh, City are going to batter Dortmund. Who do um, Chelsea play if they win this? Is it Bayern and PSG? Like, which which bracket are they in? I actually don't. Oh. Uh, huh. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, these are hard questions. I thought the one that I was yeah. looking at could, could so, tell me. So, sorry, guys. I didn't mean to make us do research on the podcast. We're supposed <laughs> to be prepared for. <laughs> oh, so I think if I'm reading this right, the winner of Bayern against PSG plays City against plays the winner of City Dortmund, and the winner of Chelsea Porto plays the winner of Real Madrid Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, they, they they can they can beat Liverpool, but I think they'll have a tough time against Real Madrid because of Zidane and Champions League. It's just fair enough. I think I think it's a really good draw. I think it's a really mm-hmm. good draw. This Champions League draw, it's actually quite good because we we haven't had a lot of good ones recently. But I think this one is quite interesting. As long as Pep think... doesn't win, we're good. Yeah, Ramos versus Salah. True. Yeah, there's also that, right? True. 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 I mean, Salah I think... doing shoulder <laughs> exercises. You see him climbing that thing on Twitter? Yeah. He'll <laughs> doing pull-ups. <laughs> yeah. I think like the winner of Bayern PSG against Man City, assuming they beat Dortmund, that that semi-final will probably be better than whatever final it is. Like that's going to be nuts. Yeah, I just wonder if Haaland can do something against City. Yeah, Ruben Diaz against uh, Haaland. That'll be fun. Anyway, we should uh, we should leave it there. We've been rambling on for far too long. Uh, I just want to end it with this um, from. Uh, friend of the pod, Ryan Ed, Adriano on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw, but um, there's going to be a new Canadian Premier League team coming up in the next season. In, yeah. Uh, and he says, which is the best tune in football? And why is it Saskatoon? Wow. <laughs> I mean, or, the tsunami. The tsunami. Could be, could be Newcastle, right? Well, if they get relegated, then this the Saskatoon... Panthers or whatever they're going to be are going to be the the, the premier tune team in the world. Yeah, to, I guess. To be fair, having gone to is it Saskatoon or I've been Saskatoon after after having gone to Saskatoon. Let me tell you this: those people are the closest to Geordies that you will find in this country. So <laughs> it, it does it does make sense. Was everyone topless? No, it was like minus <laughs> so 50. many so many nipples. <laughs> what? They go topless at minus twenty. <laughs> Incredible. Right, Bernie, make sure the title of the pod is So Many Nipples, please. Um, <laughs> it will be Ariola. Thanks, lads. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. 